Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Hi, I'm Madeline Nichols, Managing Director of Collier's Brokerage Group in the GTA. In this retail signature series for Collier's Talks, I'm speaking with a few key experts and players in this space, including leading restaurateurs, top fashion retailers, independent businesses, even the CEO of the Business Association of one of Canada's fastest growing cities. Together, we will delve into the trends, challenges, opportunities and successes within this dynamic sector. Today, I'm here with Elizabeth Modell, CEO of the Downtown Surrey Business Improvement Association. Welcome, Elizabeth. So let's just get right into it. You're representing 1,400 to 1,500 of the businesses in the Surrey BIA. Tell me a bit about what you did when you recognized how significant this virus was going to be on your businesses and community. And how did you retool during the pandemic? Well, first of all, thank you, Madeline, for for having uh, having me. And uh, to start off with, that's a that's a great question. I think uh, we have to look back to where we've been to realize where we've actually come to at this stage uh, stage of the game, uh, so to speak. So I think it was last March. Uh, we all recognized that uh, uh, something that we never experienced in our lifetime had happened to us. And uh, my staff and I had a meeting. We looked at it and we said, here's the government's orders. We've got to shut down the business um, association. We have to all work from home as we all did. And we realized very quickly that even at our stage of the game in life, we had to change and change was inevitable. And how was that going to look? How was that uh, going to happen? How were we going to recreate Um, our business association and support our businesses, uh, as you said, 14 to 1500 in the downtown core of the city of Surrey. So it uh, it took a a few weeks and uh, we did just that. We had uh, realized quickly that we had to sign up for Zoom account and Teams accounts that we weren't used to and and we all struggled through to begin with, but then recognized that uh, there was there was the adaptability, the availability of the technology, um, and the world all quickly shifted to uh, different modes. Uh, so that's what we did initially as, as a team within the office. Everybody worked outside. As time went on, we realized it was going to be a long haul. So based on our, um, our, our health authorities in the province, we decided to make that significant change along with WorkSafe BC, which is equivalent to workers' compensation, uh, to come back after the long weekend in May and actually do uh, person-to-person meetings with all the protocols in place. So after we did that, then we said, okay, this is going to be really significant impact on all the businesses. So how can we help them and help and support them moving forward with all those protocols in place? And that's when we recognized that there was there was going to be a massive adjustment. So while we were off, what we uh, did as a team is we contacted every single one of our businesses. We identified which ones were. Now we have to look. There's retail. There's restaurants. There's offices. 
Um, there's a shopping center within our area uh, with all small retail as well. So we identified each of those sectors and phoned each one of them to find out who was opening, uh, who had technology base, who was on the web and who wasn't, and who had adapted on the restaurant side of things to um, different platforms. So after that was done, we had phoned them back several times. It was a huge process of, of going through all of these businesses and, and phoning them back to find out even if they were just open or not open and, and to see where they were in their benchmarks. So analyzing all those results, we ended up um, getting 19 summer students to the summer jobs grant uh, through Simon Fraser University. Operations manager went to work. Uh, we all figured out a schedule as how they would work and how we could move forward supporting all of those different sectors and the retail sector um, of the businesses moving forward uh, to align with the government, uh, the health, uh, health authorities of our provincial government in order to get them up and running because we recognize that if those businesses fail, our economy is going to fail in British Columbia. So we had to get them up and running as quickly as possible, not only from a provincial standpoint, but also a municipal standpoint and of course the feds because they take the share of the pie as well. Goodness, that was so proactive. Um, in your experience, which were the hardest hit sectors of the businesses? Uh, that that's a really great question. Some businesses did extremely well. There's such a dichotomy in this whole um, pandemic. So anything to do with videos or gaming or technology, um, bicycle shops, anything to do with outdoor activities, camping did extremely well. And so they didn't need to be supported as much as those businesses that were hit really hard, such as the shopping centers, you know, the retail base, they were hit hard. Those were the ones that, um, particularly the very small businesses who aren't uh, in a shopping center that didn't have that support, uh, they needed the help the most. And, and those are the unique businesses within the neighborhoods that make them so special that you can leave your home or leave your apartment and walk to those, um, you know, that small gift shop or that small coffee shop. They were the ones who needed the help the most. So those were the ones we targeted. We actually, as a BIA, um, put a certain amount of money towards each business that we decided to take on and, and recognizing that some of them didn't even have websites, uh, recognizing some of them weren't even on social media, recognizing some of them didn't even have platforms for online shopping or curbside pickup and working with all of those individually in order to help them help themselves. So we put a $500 budget towards each of these businesses um, because it was in our budget. So we had to retool our budget, tell our businesses what we were doing, tell our board what we were doing um, to support and transition of what we were doing to make them successful. And it wasn't just the retail sector, it was also the smaller restaurants who, who weren't as proactive online for either deliveries or, or uh, pickups or 
just even their websites to get proper menus up and running and um, and gift cards. Some of them didn't even have gift cards. And so recognizing that and then um, and and using our budgets through Google, through Facebook, through social media to get their their websites up and running, um, their their accounts up and running and how they were able to um, how the students were able to help them in their marketing to stay afloat and to actually be a little bit more proactive in in um, in their sales and and their business. That's interesting. And with that amount of um, input from you as a BIA, can you see that it's made a material effect? And are those at-risk businesses are they surviving? Did they survive? Uh, that's a that's a great question again, Madeline. And you know, I think business is really resilient, and people are really resilient. So they will do whatever it takes, especially as a small business owner, sometime to their detriment of not knowing when to pull the plug, um, and and not not willing to make that change. So those businesses that really weren't willing to make the change that was necessary didn't survive. So we probably had about a 10 to 12 percent, um, uh, unfortunately, failures of business in our area. But what we find fascinating, and even the city has backed this up uh, in the Economic Development Department, is that even those businesses that went out of business, there have been businesses who started their business during the pandemic. So those empty spaces have been recreated by other businesses wanting to start and and even though there's been a pandemic to open the doors with all the protocols in place, et cetera, to, to, to support that. So getting back to your question of are they surviving? Yes, they are. Are they making money um, for a rainy day? No, they're not. They're just barely surviving. What they have done is become more owner operator too. So the one or two employees they might have had, unfortunately, have gone by the wayside um, and have been laid off. But what they've done is they've, with our support, is they've become owner operators and and are working more in their business rather on their business. And so that's some of the areas that we've seen. The other the, the other thing that's been very interesting, that we found very interesting is some of the health and technology businesses around the um, the hospital district and who were startups um, equally have started um, their technology businesses at this point in time. So we're even helping the startups getting a foothold in, in moving forward and, and their marketing plans and, and how they're doing. And, and that's been interesting too because it's not just been about the retail, it's been about the health and technology district and then the offices um, are are going to be completely different as we move forward, move forward and the high rises as well. And those um, are are actually people are looking forward to going back to work. You know, initially everyone was so excited. They got to work from home. Didn't matter what they looked like. They could wear shorts, whatever. But now that novelty has worn off. And what companies are recognizing, and we're talking the bigger companies now, are that work from home experiment was great. It gave people flex, flexibility and freedom, but it's also increased the boredom levels of people. 
and it's in recognizing that people need other people for creative ideas. They need that water cooler talk. They need that coffee break to say, oh, what have we been working on? Or how about this? Or how about that? Those ideas that are flow, that flow between coworkers. And so the creativity, although the actual work has not decreased for uh, the office personnel, the creativity has. And that is losing so much in office culture and recognizing that, that people now are starting to realize we're tired of working from home. We kind of want a mix of the two. So maybe we can work from home once a week, but I'd really like to see some of that, some of my fellow office workers, uh, the person from the next office that I had coffee, that was a business friend and, and get back to that kind of more social base that we're all as human beings geared towards and aligned with. That's right. I mean, I can definitely identify with so much of what you've just said, Elizabeth, about the return to the office. And we're so looking forward to more people being able to get back to office life. And we have that sense that we're part of, um, you know, perhaps a big experiment um, on workplace strategy and, you know, the mindset and the behaviors of people. It'll be very interesting to see what comes out of this many years down the road. So those of us in other parts of the country look at the West Coast and notice that really you haven't had the same kinds of lockdowns that so many in other parts of the country have had. What's your thinking on that and, and why is that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. It's my own thinking and it's not out there, so to speak. But from my own internal self-analysis, I think when you have a, a lady who's quite soft-spoken, highly intelligent, leading the team, is a health professional at the highest degree, leading the people rather than top-down from a politician, which is quite polarized, um, rather from the, the ground up, recognizing the actual fact-based um, pandemic issues rather than bringing, bringing the political issues into play, I think that plays a huge role of how people and perceptions are around the pandemic. I mean, just look south of, south of the border from us. Um, highly polarized from a standpoint of politics, and now it's a case of many of the Republicans are not south of the border, not going to be vaccinated because they made it political. So transitioning that to us here in British Columbia and getting back to your actual question, my own personal thoughts is because politics was really left out of it and it was based on fact-based health professionals, our provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who stepped in, who said, this is the way it has to be. And although she might have had one or two missteps along the way from a business standpoint, she's done an absolutely incredible job uh, to her credit. And if people just behave, listen to the health professionals, do what is mandated by the health professionals within the government, I think that's part of the reason why those lockdowns didn't occur any more than the first time out. 
and recognizing and be, but being supported by the government too. Government didn't step in until it was absolutely necessary. Obviously, our health um, health minister, Honorable Adrian Dix, was always there to back up uh, Dr. Bonnie on on her rollout and, and her daily briefings. But it didn't come from the top down, and I think that's been the biggest biggest saving grace in British Columbia and that's why she was recognized is that it, it wasn't government driven it was fact-based health driven and I I believe that's why in some ways we're ahead of the game from a standpoint of our businesses of our retail of our restaurants as hard as it has as our office spaces it's all being fact-based and driven by health professionals. Mm. Very interesting. So Elizabeth, you've been so proactive in helping businesses. And one of the programs you have is the Surrey Store to Door program. Can you tell us a bit about that? And is that something that could perhaps be rolled out in other markets? What have you learned from it? So the Surrey Store to Door program was actually an initiative of the city um to uh in their economic development department but it's it was a case of uh, that program that businesses could sign up for it and then click on it and uh, you have to recognize that surrey is huge you can fit the landmass of richmond vancouver and burnaby into surrey and and our population is close to vancouver this is over six hundred thousand. so within 10 years we're going to overtake vancouver in population we'll be the largest city in british columbia and we have over fifteen thousand business licenses in this in in the city so the city economic development department decided they needed to support some of the businesses who really wanted to sign up and do a one-click stop and so the city along we had a we had all of the meetings of the bias which there are four of them in surrey the chambers of commerce and the surrey board of trade we came together and then uh, to form a coalition called circ the surrey economic recovery coalition and as a coalition we had meetings initially uh when the pandemic hit more or less once a week to trade what was happening in our area, what was going on, because Surrey is so big with the city and to see what we could do to support them and what they could do to support us uh, as the business community um, to drill down to, to our businesses. So this is what they came up with. Further to that, we did the Click on Surrey, which was the our own initiative, um, which is somewhat equivalent to Digital Main Street that you have in Ontario, which we couldn't get out here, recognizing that we had to make it Surrey specific, particularly to the downtown core. And that's one of the programs that we rolled out the Click on Surrey to get everyone uh, technology friendly, digital friendly, um, you know, social media friendly, etc. With that, we also did a huge program through a marketing company um, that we utilize in order for people to shop local. So shop local programs um, that we rolled out a local campaign to love where you live, to shop where you live and and to support where you live. So those were key factors that we we wanted people to support the retail businesses. We wanted to people to shop to, to order from restaurants and uh, we did all sorts of contests with social media and Facebook um, uh, where we bought gift certificates to all the local restaurants. 
We did contests online so people would win gift certificates, etc. Just to activate and 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 make people aware that we have some great restaurants, very um, ethnic are, are, are originated because we have such diversity within our community, and and to introduce them to places that may they might not necessarily go to um, through gift certificates and giveaways and and contests etc. And so we got lots of uh, we got lots of radio time, lots of TV time uh, with some of the proactive measures that we took in order to support not only our retail but our restaurants, uh, health and technology district uh, to showcase some of the some of the great things that we were doing and and to support um, our tax base in our community. That is wonderful to hear. And when you're talking to the other leaders in other cities, are there things that you're learning from them that you want to implement and vice versa? Are there some best practices that you've originated that, that other cities are now uh, taking and using as their own? So I belong to um, uh, international organization, so it's called the International Downtown Associations, and uh, we had uh, two weekly calls, and uh, those calls, one was on a Monday, which was a CEO call for all the international downtowns, and that uh, we had people in from Ireland and England and the United States, although they're very different from us and they work very differently. Um, all of those, um, people that we were on calls with, associated with, we learned such great best practices of what they were doing, not only um, throughout Canada, but in the US and then internationally too, is, and how those best practices could be implemented into what we're doing. And even though it might not be just one idea, I always say if you take one idea from somebody, you're stealing from them. But if you take a whole bunch of ideas, you're in research. So we were constantly in research all the time trying to look at best practices of other cities, other jurisdictions, and, and how we could make it Surrey specific and what we could do to make it our own and branded our own and how we could do things differently. And I think that has really helped um, with that. Um, further, a, a secondary question is, is keeping ahead of the game. Uh, for me, I'm members of the Board of Trade, Urban Spaces, um, uh, all sorts of international organizations that um, I listen to, in, including some great colliers uh, calls um, and other brokers calls that gave me ideas of what would be happening, could be happening and was happening um, in order to think differently, react differently and also um, uh, work up towards um, what our new normal could be, will be, and what it could look like, and how we can help the development community, which has not shut down at all in Surrey. It's been one of the largest on record um, uh, uh, development permits for the city of Surrey. We have cranes everywhere because we're changing the entire downtown. And we're building a brand new downtown. So always looking for new ideas, new retail coming in. What's that gonna look like? How can we be proactive moving forward in supporting that? What can we do for the retail industry and actually meeting with Colliers, um, uh, a group from Colliers is, what can we do looking ahead to support that retail industry um, uh, that is going to be 
uh, moving into all these new developments that uh, are are being built and on the books and and uh, what can we do to support that uh, promote it and also think differently um, than others uh, who um, aren't in that situation that we are hmm. very uh, optimistic that's wonderful so as we start to close out here elizabeth as you look forward to the next 12 months what do you see in store uh, for the businesses? So th this is a really tricky question from a standpoint of dealing with the unknown. And, and, and I don't think we're out of the woods for a long time yet. Even though we're getting the vaccines, they're all on the rollout, um, there will be things that are relaxed. But what really concerns me, Madeline, are the variants. And, and until we get a booster shot for those variants, I, I honestly think that we're going to do quite well in the last quarter of this year from a standpoint of economics throughout Canada. But I still think all those protocols will be in place because of the variants. And, and I don't like to be a Debbie Downer on this, but honestly, there's a lot, so many unknowns at this point. But I am very optimistic moving forward because I not only believe in the medical community, I believe in innovation and technology. And I think we have what it takes to get this under control within the next 18 months to two years. Unfortunately, I think it's going to take that long with protocols in place. But I think everyone is to the point now that just give me the freaking vaccine, we'll wear masks, will be in place, but just let me see people in a different environment and and not be so locked down because I think we're all tired of that. And granted, Canada is coming from, you know, the dark dreary winter into the spring months. And I think it's probably just pent up demand from all of us just wanting to do more, be outside more, enjoy some sun and some warmer weather and, and, and just moving that forward. Uh, so very difficult question to answer. Um, but because you're trying to look into the future and gauge what's coming down the road. Um, unfortunately, I wish it was better news from my standpoint. As soon as they have that booster shot, I'll feel or booster pill as a new technology is looking at now. As of today, we heard um, we'll find out soon enough is exactly how um, how how everything is going to be. But I do believe that the fourth quarter of this year, based on all the economic uh, forecasts, is going to be between four and five percent here in Canada, perhaps more. Our dollars are already doing quite well. It's quite strong. Mm -hmm. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your ideas with us. Very valuable, and it's always such a pleasure to see you. Thanks it's for our, having me, Madeline. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliercanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.